Our scripture reading this morning is Psalm number 8. It's found on page 450 of your pew Bibles. Before we go to the word of the Lord, let's uh, bow our heads in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we come to your word, and we know that it is a fountain of life. Lord, I ask that you would soften our hearts, that we can hear your word and live your word and breathe your word. It's all these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens, out of the mouth of babies and infants. You have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you would care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, How majestic is your name in all the earth. Well, we're we're looking at prayer. And um, the last time we did, we looked at how we look at God when we pray, that as we we come into prayer, um, we need to remember who we're talking to. But as we do, we also need to be aware of who we are, that as we we pray, we do so recognizing um, something about us and about our relationship with God. And so Psalm 8 kind of reflects this. Um, the, the psalmist, David, is looking and, and praising God at the majesty of his name that's all the earth, and he talks about when he considers the heavens and the moon and the stars, that all of these things, in other words, when he looks at the, the huge panorama of creation, it causes him to reflect on himself. What is man that you are mindful of him? Maybe you've had that experience where you're, you, you go to the ocean and you just look at how um, vast it is, or, or maybe um, uh, mountains, or, or maybe you see those pictures from NASA and you start thinking of how each little dot represents more planets, and you just think of how huge everything is, and then how insignificant and small and weak um, you, you feel. Yeah, do, you, do you ever have that kind of thing where you look out the stars and you realize all of this creation, what am I? And, and so it, it is appropriate that as we um, reflect on ourselves, I want to look at three things. Uh, the first is that we reflect on our, our limits, that we reflect on um, 
what it means to be created, what it means to be finite. Um, think of this in Psalm 103. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it's gone and the place knows no more. In other words, that we're, we're, we're finite. We, 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 we don't know everything. We're not strong enough to do all that we would want to do. And so we, we need to remember this because I think there's a tendency in us um, to only pray when we're desperate. Only pray when we're at the end of our rope. I mean, maybe, maybe we kind of go through our <clears throat> normal prayers that we, you know, our um, bedtime prayers with children or our mealtime prayers. But when we think about praying for others, don't we normally only wait till someone is very sick or when there's a um, very difficult thing we're facing at work, something just completely beyond our control. Because most of the time, we kind of think, I can handle this. I can solve this. I can do this. Uh, I, I know there's such a tendency for me when I'm praying in the mornings, and I'm praying for the different things that are going to be happening during the day or the week. It just starts becoming kind of a to-do list. Like, rather than me saying, God, I need you to, to be involved with this and guide this and give wisdom, I'm thinking of this, okay, well, here's the 10 things I need to do to make that happen. Now, now certainly, we, we work and we do things, but how foolish of me to think my efforts are greater than the things God would do. And so, we, we need to have a recognition that all that we are, and everything we have and everything we do, we need God. That, that God is the one giving us life, the one who's protecting us from things that we're never aware of. And so we need to be praying for God to, to care for us in all of life, not just looking at those extreme things that we really, you know, think we can't handle. Or this is, I don't know, the doctors not be able to do this. We need to call in God for this one to recognize that everything is God guiding us, protecting us, leading us. But, but the other thing is not only are we dependent solely on God for every beat of our heart, every breath we take, we recognize our limits and that we don't know all things. We don't know the future. We, we don't clearly know everything about ourselves and the things going on. And so when we pray, we come to a God recognizing we're praying for what's best for us. Tim Keller often puts it as we pray knowing that God would answer the prayer as if we prayed knowing everything God knows. I don't know if you follow that, but follow this. Have you ever had a thing that you were needing a child to do something or not do something. And the reason for it was so far beyond the child's comprehension that you couldn't explain. So the child wanted to do something. You have to say no. And the no is something that you couldn't even explain to, to your child. And so you just have to say, just trust me. You, you'll understand better, better later on. You'll understand better later. And there, there's, there's times in our life that we recognize um, God 
is answering in our prayers for what is best for us, even though it seems like he's not answering our prayers, that he knows more than we do. He knows the future. He holds it in his hand. He knows all things. And, and so we pray, understanding our limits of needing God, but also of our, um, our, our recognition of he knows better than we do. Um, I can't remember if this went over here or somewhere else, but I always think it would be great if there was a country music song about unanswered prayers or something, but this is when I go off about Garth Brooks. Anyway, okay, let's move on. This is a good lead-in to the second point. The second point is we're sinful. We are sinners, so it's not only that we're limited. We, we don't know everything. We're, we're dependent upon God for everything, but we also recognize that our hearts are bent on ourselves. We're, we're sinners. We, we have rebelled against God. And, and, and even in, in our best times, and our best motivations, there's part of us that is loving ourselves more than anyone else. There's part of us that is um, bent in on ourselves. And so one thing is obviously we need to make confession a time of prayer. Um, as you pray, there's that recognition of not only am I needing things, but I'm also needing to restore a relationship because I've sinned and I need to ask for forgiveness. Is confession a routine part of your prayer life? Is the Sunday morning time of confession the only time you reflect on your sins? Or are you daily reflecting and praying God to forgive and to heal and to keep you from sin? We, we need to confess our sins, but, but also recognizing our sinfulness, recognizing that we are going to be thinking about ourselves more than anything else. It is also good that we bring everything to God in prayer. When you are seething with anger, pray about it. Pray with your anger. Take your anger to God. When you're frustrated that someone has hurt you and sinned against you and done you wrong, pray about it. Um, this is you know, something I, I think that's kind of hinted at, that, that God is, is establishing a strength that he has foes. There are enemies. There is rebellion and sin. And so we, we recognize our sinfulness against God and against one another. And because of that, we, we bring everything into prayer because it's part of our being made more like Jesus. If I'm really angry with someone and I pray about it, I find myself saying, you know, with God, it starts to expose parts of my own sin and that anger. That's, you know, it might be justifiable, but it also reveals my fears as I'm praying about it. It reveals the things that I'm desiring more than God's will in my life. That's, that's one of the great things to, to pray and to take that anger because in the presence of God, you're going to deal with those things in a different way. When, when someone has hurt you, when someone has sinned against you, to take that in prayer and you reflect on that person in the presence of God and thinking about that, you, you, you think of the way God handled in Christ people's sin. You think of his mercy and the things that Jesus um, dealt with and how he responded. You, you think 
maybe more sympathetically of the person that you're praying for. So in other words, all this, these things that we do in our own sinfulness, we bring in prayer and our hearts are exposed so that we can be healed, so that we can grow more like Christ, so that we can be more and more holy. I think this is one of the reasons Christ told us to pray for our enemies. You know, if I'm not thinking about God when I'm talking about an enemy, it's going to be much different than if I'm praying and I'm, and I'm thinking about how God has dealt with sin. So we, we pray for, um, we, we pray with an awareness of our sinfulness so that sinfulness can be exposed, so we can confess, so that we can go deeper into those things and confess them. We recognize that we are limited. We recognize that we are sinful. But I love how, uh, as he reflects on man and the insignificant, suddenly it turns to, you made him a little bit lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of the hands, put all things under his feet. He prays with a recognition of who he is because of God. God made you in his image. God created you and put us over um, his creation. And so we, we not only recognize the, the, the weakness and the sin, but we go praying, recognizing the glory God has bestowed upon us. And even more than that, that he's, he's created us to be in a communion with him. He's created us to be in his image and to reflect that image. And, and we pray with an awareness of that. But more than that, that we recognize he's redeemed us, that he sent Christ to the cross to restore sinners, to cover up our limits and our, our weaknesses, and to heal us and to bring us to glory. So more than recognizing our failures and our limits, we recognize you are a child of God. You're, you're, you were created to share this fellowship with this God who made you. And there's a sense in which is, is that if prayer is feeling like a chore or if prayer is something that you neglect, consider that you're a child of God. The way you were made was to be in relationship with this God that in a sense you're practicing for heaven because the communion you share as you're praying um, on any given day is a communion that will be fulfilled in heaven. And if there's any sense of heaven apart from being in the presence of God, looking on his face and sharing direct communion with him, um, it's not truly heaven because heaven is being with God. And, and so there's a sense in which all of our prayer is a practice of that fellowship. It, it's, it's a taste of heaven here on earth as we um, talk to God and spend time in God's presence. And we realize that this is what we were made for and that we have been restored into this relationship. You have been called. You have been adopted into his family. You have been declared sons and daughters of the Most High. And because of that, Imagine how that changes the way you pray. God is not some kind of distant God that you're trying to convince to do good. 
He's the loving father of his child who is trying to give everything that is good, everything that is needed. And to think of the access that you have, that you can come to the one who made the, the heavens with his finger and the moon and the stars and set them in place at any time with any need and with any burden in spite of your weakness and in spite of your sin, that you can go to him and ask him for anything, trusting that he will give what is best for you, trusting that he will answer your prayer with what you really need and what you're really longing for and what is really going to be good for you. I don't imagine... um, There were many people who could go into uh, the bedchamber of a king at 2 a.m. and ask for a glass of water. You know, if, you, if you've seen those castles and you've seen palaces and you, you maybe you watch The Crown and you just think of, of how people are kept away and only the most dignified are allowed access. But to think of who could have the most intimate access would be the daughter, the son, could at any time go to the king and ask for anything. That's all you praying. It's you coming before the great king, having the most intimate access because you have been made his daughters and sons. Would you please stand and let us state what we believe through the words of the Apostles' Creed.